Readers, hello, and welcome to episode 39 of The Witcher chapter by chapter book review, where I go through a summary of the latest chapter and give my detailed thoughts on it. Today, I'm discussing chapter four from The Tower of Swallows. Well, I hope you are all doing well. I'm doing pretty good myself. Hot. I'm recording this, it's summertime, I'm recording this on the Friday before Labor Day weekend, which I believe, you know, I'm gonna look that up really quick. I got a computer in front of me, I can look it up. I believe it's just an American holiday. Let's see. Labor Day has been an annual federal holiday in the US since 1894. Okay, so it is just an American holiday. I don't, I don't know what Labor Day even means. I'm really not even that interested to find out. I just know that I get the day off from work and it's always been that way. Every job that I've had since I graduated from college, I've always had Labor Day off. So it's, and it's always on a Monday too. So it's not on the same date every year. I think it's always on, I'm thinking it's probably the first Monday of the month of September. So yeah, I always get a three-day weekend at the beginning of September, and that's very nice and a very welcome to think. So I'm in a pretty good mood because I know that I'm about to go into a three-day weekend. I don't have any plans, though. Uh, for those of you that don't know, if you're not that familiar with my channel, I live in San Diego. So, um, and if, you, if you're not familiar with San Diego or not even it, just if you haven't been here, but if you don't know that much about it, it's, it's in Southern California. There's, it's, there's a lot of beaches in San Diego. So it's a very touristy place, especially in the summertime. And I would imagine on the final holiday weekend of the summer, it's going to be very busy. And I am the type of person that does not like crowds. Like I plan when I'm going to go to the supermarket to buy groceries because I don't want to go when there's too many people. <laughs> so if there's going to be a lot of people out doing things uh, and places that would be typically like a fun thing to visit fun fun that would offer fun activities to do on a long weekend I'm, you're not you're not going to find me there <laughs> especially at the beach i know for sure and this probably applies to all beaches not just in san diego but all beaches in the u.s on labor day weekend uh, i imagine driving there would be a nightmare and uh trying to find parking trying to find a spot in the sand to put your towel, your umbrella, get your whole setup going. Yeah, it's not, it's probably, uh, if you're like me and you don't like to be around crowds, you don't like to be around lots of people, then I think you can understand that that's why I'll be staying in. And I'm sure if you are uh, living in the U.S. You, you and, and you are like me, you'll probably also be staying in. So, <laughs> all right, well, let's talk about chapter four of the Tower of Swallows. So as always, I'll give you a summary on what happens in this chapter, followed by my detailed thoughts on it. And before I do that, I will recap you on what we talked about in the previous episode so that you're caught up. All right, for the recap, Geralt and company find out the Druids are no longer in K2 and decide to head to an area called the Slopes with the Beekeeper. Triss gets news from a skeleton fisherwoman that Yennefer is dead. Vatir de Rideau unknowingly passes information to Asira Varanahid's spy and agrees to exchange information on Taniel's whereabouts for Kahir's head with Bryant's. I'm going to be talking about Taniel a little bit more in this chapter than we normally do. It's a mysterious guy. I don't think he's a good guy. 
but he's certainly mysterious, but we'll get into that shortly. All right. I've got a brief summary today. I think I don't remember when it was, if it was the previous chapter, two chapters back. I had a hard time keeping one of the previous chapter summaries brief. So I think this one uh, will be a nice change of pace. I like it when they're brief because I'm just reading off the screen. I have to try not to trip over my words, which I think because I'm thinking about it, it makes me more likely to do that. So anyway, here's the summary. <laughs> so we pick back up with Siri and the events that followed Boneheart capturing her in jealousy. Boneheart brings Siri to the town of Fano to get a sword for later when he brings her to the town of Claremont, where he forces her to fight men to the death in an arena filled with a large audience. The fighting in the arena resulted in Siri trying to kill herself, but she couldn't summon the courage to do so. Meanwhile, a psionic, Joanna or Kenna Selborne, in an imperial trial, recounts events from one year ago about how she was part of a Hansa who were sent by Taniel to track down Boneheart and Siri. Well, the disturbing cruelty being done to Siri didn't end with chapter two. So it's really, uh, it's, it's another chapter that's not easy to read. It's, there's a lot of stuff in there that you feel, it makes you feel very uncomfortable. It's a, there's a lot of dark stuff. Well, as I go through the details of this chapter, please bear with me as it may get confusing. I try to organize my notes as best as possible, but this chapter goes back and forth between who's telling the story. So we learn some of what we learn in this chapter from this Joanna character that we just met. Uh, some of it's from Siri telling the story to Visigoda, like how she was doing in chapter two. And even briefly, some of this is told from a jealousy resident. Jealousy is the town where uh, Boneheart killed the rats and where Siri and Boneheart met. So we'll kick off the conversation talking about this Joanna or Kenna is another name she has. Because uh, yeah, like I said, she's a new character. We've never met her before, never heard of her before. So we definitely want to talk about everything that we know about her in case she comes up again. So the most important thing I would say that we learned about her is she's a psionic. And that's something else that we never got any context on prior to this chapter. So what that means is she can hear people's thoughts. She can speak remotely with sorcerers, elves, or other psionics. And she can control people with her mind. So this is a trait that would not be good if it belonged to an evil person. <laughs> so this trait is inherited. She's not a mage. It wasn't taught to her. So she was born with this ability. I think it's cool that this far into the story, because what book are we on now? Like with the main books, you're not including the two uh, collections of short stories. So there's Blood of Elves, Time of Contempt, baptism fire yeah we're on the fourth book and we're still learning about different types of people and characteristics in this fantasy world so it makes me wonder what other kind of things could be a part of this world that we still haven't learned about yet and there could be lots of things like if this deep into the whole witcher story we're learning this kind of stuff then i mean there could be other things that Sapkowski maybe even thought up but just didn't even put down. But I guess in a way, it kind of still exists in this world. I mean, if he didn't write it down, then I suppose not. But I mean, this all comes from his brain. So I guess that is a way you could look at it. But um, back to Joanna, we actually get to see her demonstrate her power of controlling others. 
And we see that when she forced this guy whose name is Esther Hazy. I think that's how you say it. There's a few names in this chapter that I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation of, but um, I'm going to go with Esther Hazy for this guy. He was the blacksmith who gave Siri her sword. Um, they, she used the controlling, the mind controlling, so that he would tell her and then the other members of the Hansa that were present in the scene, at least, uh, what happened when Boneheart came to him. So activating this power actually gives her nosebleeds. She needs to hold a handkerchief up to her nose when she uses it. So it's not like a very easy, simple thing. I don't know if it causes her pain. I don't think it really said, but it does at least cause nosebleeds. So it's not a very uh, simple thing for her at the very least, which I guess is some consolation if somebody were to use this power for evil. So Joanna, who had been working for Taniel, uh, she was imprisoned and on trial the following year. So the year following the current events. So some of the other members of the group helping Tawny Al ended up dead somehow. And some also ended up in prison, like Joanna. We don't know exactly how these things happen, why, which is why I said somehow. But this makes me think that Tawny Al's plans didn't work out. By the end of the chapter, we another thing we don't know uh, is we don't know exactly how whatever his plans are concluded. But if members of this Hansa ended up dead and imprisoned, I'm willing to bet that he's failed. I don't think that that is a good sign that things worked out for him. But that's something that we yeah we still don't know the details behind. We don't know what. Tony Al is trying to do exactly. I mean, we know that he was trying to seek information, but we don't know to what end. So Joanna was recruited into this Hansa by a man called, here we go, another name. I don't know if you say like Daker, Dacre, something Silifant. Um, but she was recruited by this guy into the Hansa because he said that they needed someone who wasn't afraid of magic since they would end up dealing with sorcerers. Although we haven't witnessed them deal with any sorcerers yet, but I'm wondering if Taniel anticipates having to deal with Ryans and Vilgeforts. Because last chapter, Ryans inquired about Taniel's whereabouts from Batir de Rideau for reasons that we still are not aware of. So whatever it is that Taniel's doing, I wonder if he is anticipating that Ryans and Vilgeforts are gonna be after him, which they are. So it wouldn't be that much of a stretch if that was what's actually going on. Unfortunately, though, it doesn't give us any direct answers or really any hints into, it's like, I don't even, I can't really even theorize, but I, that's not the last time I'm gonna talk about Tony. I'm gonna, um, we're gonna talk a little bit more about why he is doing the things he's doing, but without any answers, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, so he sent some members from the Hansa, Tony Al that is, uh, to retrieve a young man and a citizen of jealousy, Nyklar, and that's the resident I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, um, who we hear some of this chapter from. So Nyklar, uh, so that Tony Al could question him about what happened with Boneheart and jealousy. And a uh, quick little side note there, we actually heard some of the story about Siri and Boneheart's fight in chapter two from Nyklar. 
as he was telling it to Taniel. So this actually wasn't our first time meeting him. It was very brief when we heard from him in chapter two, but this was not the first time he came up. And I thought that that was pretty interesting because when I read these books through the first time, I didn't notice that he was a repeat character in a very small and pretty insignificant way, but he is a repeat character nonetheless. And I like that he was kind of just very like, just he was just thrown in there in this like super casual way. And then he comes back and he's a little bit more important. I still, I, I don't imagine that he's going to be that important past this chapter. He could be. I don't imagine he will be, though. But I just like that. I like how that was written. I thought that was pretty cool. So Nyklar's story brings us back to the day when Boneheart killed the rats. So we get to find out what happened after he cut the heads off of the rats and forced Sigrid to watch. It just gets uglier from there. Or the ugly, ugliness continues. I don't know if if you want to say it's worse or what, but it at least continues. So he he beat Siri and forced her to undress in front of everyone in the inn so that he could check for magic amulets in her clothes. And he also, oh, this is really messed up. He placed a collar around her neck attached to a chain that he would hold on to. And that, I don't think that collar left her neck for very long within this chapter. So there's at least, let's say over a week because I think it's, I think he mentioned that it would take him 10 days to travel. So he put that like from jealousy. So it was at least 10 days minimum that Siri had this collar on her neck. Just to continue looking to how awful he is. <laughs> He's truly one of the worst characters we've met, maybe even the worst. And I know that's debatable. And I'm not saying that's why I said maybe the worst, because I don't know. Vilgefortz might be equally as evil as Boneheart. Because uh, I, at first, Vilgefortz just seemed like an enemy. Like, he didn't necessarily seem, like, super evil. Like, he was just siding with uh, Nilfgaard, and he beat Geralt because he was trying to get Ciri, which, obviously, that's not good, and we're not going to like him for that. But then when we found out about the experiments he was doing on pregnant women, well, now we know he is downright evil. So, Boneheart, Vilgefortz, the two of them could be friends, I'd say. Well, Boneheart sent... This kid, Nyklar, to deliver letters to Esterhazy, the blacksmith, um, in Fano. And that's also where they got the sword for Siri. I think I might have mentioned that already, but I'm not totally sure. So, by the way. And then also to deliver a letter to this guy. I, hopefully this is the last name that I struggle with. But I, I, don't, I think it's pronounced Huvenigel. Huvenigel? I'm going to go with Huvenigel. <laughs> So Nyklar delivered this letter to Evenigel in Claremont, and he's the owner of the fighting pit. So this is why Nyklar was brought before Taniel, so that he could learn information about what happened with Boneheart and Ciri since he hired Boneheart to kill her, and that hasn't been done. So I'm just... this Okay, so going back to Taniel really quick, and... I feel like I'm a little bit all over the place. I hope I hope that you are managing to follow me here, but I, I, I did say that it's going to be tricky to talk about this chapter because it's just, it is kind of all over the place. It's easy to follow when you're reading it, but in a discussion, <laughs> it's a little bit difficult. So why is Taniel so determined to have Ciri killed? He was sent by the emperor to find her and bring her back alive. So he's clearly breaking protocol in a major way. And so much to the point where he probably even understands that he's at risk of being executed or tortured, or both, tortured then executed, if he gets caught, which that could very well happen. 
Uh, at first, I considered because Siri is so important, maybe Tanya wanted to make money off her somehow. But that obviously isn't it since he's trying to just have her killed. Plus, he's so desperate that he's hired out a whole Hansa of 22 people just to find out what Bonard's done with her. It's just he's going pretty far out of his way to make sure Siri ends up killed. I just, I don't know what the motivation is. It's something that I would hope is revealed to us soon. But as of the end of this chapter, it still isn't. We can just theorize, but I don't even have a theory. I can't imagine what it could possibly be. But it's got something to do with, or maybe not something to do with, but it's uh, it's concerning to Vilgefortz and Ryan's, I'm willing to bet. Anyway, Bonehart promised to bring Siri alive to the Baron of Cassidy, Cassidy, in addition to his agreement with Taniel to kill her. So Bonehart has made promises to multiple people of what he was going to do with Siri. He's accepted money or I guess accepted jobs to either bring Siri to somebody or kill her. Maybe there were even others. I, don't, I doubt it, but it's possible. Oh, wait, there could have been those, um, the Varnhagens. So the Varnhagens, I think, were involved because Venegel gives Bonehart money for the rats, the rest of the rats. But what I'm thinking is since he made these arrangements prior to meeting Siri, I guess that means that he already had plans to keep her before he even met her. And I found this peculiar because it seemed as if he didn't have plans to abandon his agreement with Taniel until after he met her and discovered how apt at sword fighting she was. That's at least the impression I got at first. But he didn't know that until, like, he didn't know that she was really good at fighting until after he met her. And for all he knew, the rest of the rats were just as good as her, but he killed them no problem. But I don't know. Uh, I'm just, I'm curious if there are other motives he has that we just didn't learn about yet in this chapter. Perhaps he simply realized she must be pretty important and therefore worth holding on to if multiple people are willing to hire him to get her. I just can't imagine he'd go through this much trouble just to have her fight in an arena to earn him money, but maybe it is as simple as that. Who knows? As of right now, who knows? Well, uh, Bonar wanted to know who Siri was. While still in jealousy, uh, he actually asked her who she was, but she kind of went back into that lifeless mode she had done before when she was with the trappers and they, when they caught her in the frying pan. But later in Fano, he told her he knew who she was, but he'd make her reveal it. When she was fighting in the arena, he said he knew she learned how to fight in Kaer Morin. Hmm. I'm curious. <laughs> I feel like there's just a lot of speculating in this chapter, but I'm curious if he only simply realized she learned to fight in Caramoran from her moves, or if he figured out she's the princess of Sintra. A lot of people do know about the Witcher Geralt and Ciri, the child of destiny, so it is likely that he knows that she is this princess. If he didn't know that story, it's strange he'd come to that conclusion as quickly as he did that she learned in Kermorn just based on her combat style. Since, if you remember, they don't ever train girls in Kermorn. Siri was the one exception to that. And they don't train anyone there anymore. 
So if he doesn't know the thing about the child of destiny, then I don't know how he would come to the conclusion, like without knowing that she is the princess, I don't know how he would come to the conclusion that she learned what she learned in Care Morton. Unless, I, I don't know. I just don't know. Either way, I can't imagine why this is even relevant to him. Maybe he just wants to sell her off as a princess or as a witcher trainee and make a lot of money, but we just don't learn that in this chapter. I guess we'll have to wait and see, but it was a... It was odd how it wasn't really explained. It's just, it's not like a big plot point. It doesn't seem like these little motives are such a big plot point that they need to be put off in the form of a cliffhanger. So that's why I thought it was kind of interesting that we didn't really get these answers in this chapter, like why we're being forced to wait. But maybe it is all tied together in some grander plot point later on down the road. But again, we'll have to see what happens. Okay, so uh, Boneheart brings Siri to this fighting pit, and uh, this is actually a really difficult scene to read about. Um, he first brings her, before they go to the pit, he brings her to this his, his acquaintance. I think he um, even re refers to him as a relative, uh, but it's the guy, the, he's a very, the very rich man, Huvenigal. And this guy, Huvenigal, by the way, is included in the little blurb at the beginning of the chapter. So if you do read these books, then you'll know that they've got these little blurbs in between chapters where it's taken from like some text that's part of this world, like some character, usually somebody we don't know. Sometimes it's even Dandelion though. Um, but somebody wrote that somewhere in this world. And I normally don't talk about it because I just, I don't know, they usually don't interest me enough <laughs> to talk about it. But this one, uh, it did interest me because it was about Huvenigal and it's written from the future I think well after his death, describing how he was known for his altruistic and philanthropic deeds, even though he owned and operated a fighting pit, one that even had animals fight sometimes. So, I, I mean, that part wasn't included, of course, but it's just interesting that even in a fantasy world, history can be written a little bit incorrectly or biased sometimes. So I thought that that was uh, interesting. I wanted to point that out because this man is obviously not a good person, but he was written about like he did amazing things. And maybe he did do a lot of things for charity, but I mean, that doesn't cancel out doing downright evil things. But anyway, at his house, they briefly discuss business ventures and how Nilf Guardians who move to Sintra or lands around Sintra are guaranteed a large plot of land and will live tax-free for the next 10 years. And I wanted to point this out because if Nilfgaard loses the war, this probably won't still be a possibility. And Boneheart even makes this point, but Huvenigal is convinced Nilfgaard will win since they have more money than the northern countries. So, I mean, there's your update on the war for this chapter, at least. We haven't gotten any war updates in a while. It has been seeming like Nilfgaard's winning, but I guess if, uh, things changed in that regard and it's not really talked about in a chapter. We don't get to see anything up close like we did when Geralt and Milva and Dandelion were traveling together, uh, when it was just the three of them, I guess. Uh, yeah, but we're not really going to know exactly what's happening with the war. So, there you go. It seems as if they're still... Nilfgaard is still winning, but that is to be determined. 
Well, a few others show up to Huvenigel's house before they go to the arena. This marchioness, a reserve soldier, and the mayor of the town. So in front of them, Boneheart forces Siri to take Fistech, the drug we learned about in Chapter 2. And then they set out for the arena. So she's being forced to do drugs. She's being uh, walked around on this leash. And now she's taken into this arena. In the arena, it's not exactly clear at first who they're going to have Siri fight. But this is when the Baron's men, the Baron of Cassidy, that's when his men show up and Boneheart tells them they need only retrieve her if they want her. Well, in order to protect herself from them, she needs to kill them, even though she really doesn't want to. It's sick. It really is sick. So she kills these men to make sure that they don't get her, they don't take her to this Baron who wanted to flay her. And uh, eventually the Baron's Seneschal tells Ciri, after he's giving up on trying to get her, he tells her that after Boneheart and the crowd tire of the violence, they'll sick too many men on her, that she won't be able to defend herself, or they'll sick dogs on her. Right after this is when she tried and failed to kill herself. And then the chapter ends here, so we don't know how she came to get out of there, but since she's telling the story from the future, we know that Boneheart didn't kill her there. So, I don't know exactly how she got out of that arena, but I'm sure none of it included anything good. Okay, so I'm going to wrap up this episode in a little bit here, but I'm doing this a little bit differently than I normally do. I might continue this new little format in future episodes, but we'll see. <laughs> so I have some closing thoughts like I normally do. And then um, I also want to talk about like looking ahead. So this uh, section after my closing thoughts will be the section called looking ahead. So where I'm basically just going to talk about what we can expect or maybe expect to see or what we should be looking out for, what questions we want answered. So for the closing thoughts, <laughs> Siri suffered badly through some terrible things. And I was thinking about how ever since she got separated from Geralt and Yen, she's been going through these absolutely horrific things. So not only do we want Geralt and Yennefer to be reunited with Ciri for obvious reasons, but their reunion will probably make her more safe and less vulnerable to these awful events in the future. Although she was <laughs> she was with them when she teleported to the frying pan, but that that wasn't Geralt's fault, but kind of Yen's. But not not that I feel any less about Yen for that. It was a mistake. Uh, but either way, she's more likely to be safe with them than she is on her own as we have seen ever since she has been on her own. It's just a lot of bad stuff, even the bad decisions she was making. You know that wouldn't have happened if she was still with Geralt and Yennefer. So at the beginning of this chapter, I mentioned the discussion could be kind of confusing since the chapter goes back and forth from who's telling the story and the chapter isn't exactly linear. Hopefully you didn't find it too hard to follow. There are a few times where I was going through all the details I felt like I was making it more confusing than I needed to. <laughs> I tried, I tried. But you know what? I will say that uh, when I talked about the chapter kind of being all over the place, that was not a complaint about the chapter. I actually thought that the way the chapter was written made it more interesting, more entertaining and thought provoking. So all in all, I like chapter four. I'm glad that we got to learn more about what happened to Siri before she met Vaisagoda, even if 
the updates we got were downright appalling. Okay, looking ahead, the new episode section where we will wrap up the episode. There is still more of Siri's story left since we ended this chapter not knowing how Tanya cut her face or how she ended up at Vice Agoda's. So we still want to find out what happened between the end of this chapter and her ending up at Vice Agoda's. It seems like we might see the Hansa from this chapter again so we can find out what led to many of them dying or becoming imprisoned. Not that we're necessarily even attached to any of these characters, even this Joanna Kenna person. Um, it, it, it's not like we really need to know what led to their demise. It's just um, we want to get more updates on Taniel. And they're working for Taniel, and there's no way that we're done getting updates on him and what he's up to. So the last we left off with this Hansa, just to make sure that um, we're all on the same page there, uh, they were hurrying to Claremont, where the arena was, after hearing about the massacre there. And then final piece of uh, looking ahead, uh, there were no updates on Yennefer, which I think is obvious. Otherwise, I definitely would have talked about it. Um, but last chapter we received news that she died and i was saying that i don't think she did i still don't think she did hopefully i'm not proved wrong okay well that is all i have for you so just to let you know in case you didn't these episodes are available on youtube spotify and apple podcast thank you so much for joining and i'll catch you all in the next episode bye